This podcast is brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. My name is Jared Norton, and this is The Voluntary Contrarian. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Voluntary Contrarian Podcast. My name is Jared Norton. Today is March 4th, 2019. And today I've got a great guest. His name is Shane Radliff. He is the host of Bonu Podcast with uh, his co-host Kyle Reardon. He is the owner-operator of LibertyUnderAttack.com. And he basically is, has his hands in a lot of things. How are you doing today, Shane? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. I appreciate the uh, the invitation to come on and chat. Of course, of course. So tell me, um, how long have you been doing your podcast, and what kind of got you to kind of make that leap into sharing what you know and and your passions? Sure, sure. So I started, uh, I guess, uh, I started Liberty Attack Radio back uh, February eighth, in two, uh, two thousand fifteen. Um, but I guess before that, it would have been probably 2013 or 2014, uh, was, uh, when I started the, the website, libertyunderattack.com. And, uh, basically that was right when I got into politics for the sit for the short six months that I did. I voted once and, uh, uh, you know, did, uh, just, uh, I guess two, two, met- I guess two, uh, uh, two, two attempts at political crusading and then uh, realized that politics was, uh, was not right for me. Uh, it wasn't going to provide me freedom or anything. Uh, so I had LibertyUnderAttack.com and really didn't do anything with it for a while. Um, basically just, I, I don't know, maybe a few times a year I'd, you know, just feel like writing something or, or something along those lines. Never got any views on the site, never really tried anything with it. But uh, I guess it would have been mid-2014 when uh, I got pretty, uh, you know, pretty active in, uh, you know, uh, researching conspiracies, things like Bill Cooper. I went through my Alex Jones phase like I'm pretty sure a lot of people did. And uh, I... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I was always very kind of uh, timid. Uh, I remember the first the first time I was doing a YouTube video, I was horrified. Um, the YouTube channel came a little before the uh, before the radio show, and uh, I just didn't know what I was doing. And uh, and honestly, uh, looking back, I guess uh, four, uh, four years ago, uh, I had no idea what I was talking about then, uh, none whatsoever. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I talked to a guy, I talked to a guy who'd been doing radio for a long time. He uh, told me I had to get set up set up for pretty cheap. And uh, found a radio network that's uh, now defunct, the Freedom Phalanx Radio Network. And uh, Ryan over there was uh, very hospitable. He kind of uh, taught me how to do all this stuff, and uh, gave me a lot of uh, a lot of great tips. And uh, LUA Radio was born yeah, in February of 2015. And uh, basically, I don't know why I was uh, I was really really passionate then, and uh, obviously still passionate today. Uh, yeah, been going for for four years now. I just uh, we just hit the uh, four year anniversary of uh, Liberty Attack Radio, but I had to kill it. Had to kill it. I've got too much going on, and I I do another podcast too, uh, and I've got two other projects I'm working on. So um, it wasn't getting the attention that it uh, that it deserved. At the same time, a lot of the stuff on LUA uh, was it was all basically direct action anyway. So it can it can just fall under the uh, the Vonu podcast. Uh, so basically, just a a passion for freedom, even even when I didn't know uh, what that word really meant. Uh, even before I had uh, any coherent philosophy behind it, and when I was kind of just jumping from ideology to ideology um, until until I found anarchism, uh, I guess mid uh, 2015. 
they went through the to go through the kind of the steps that a lot of people went through with um, um, let's see you've got your uh, Molyneux um, you've got your Tom Woods you've got um, everything from Rothbard and the Mises did you go through those um, those stages as well uh, yeah, so I started, uh, basically, uh, it was three months after I started Libertarian Attack Radio, and it was going to be a conspiracy-based radio show. Like, the first mo- couple months of episodes were on secret societies and things, uh, and Freemasonry, and uh, 9-11, and, you know, conspiracy theories and such. And I still kind of hold some of those things dear to my heart, because I wouldn't be here without, without uh, investigating those subjects. Um, but yeah, a few months after I started LBA Radio, I, uh, you know, started talking to some anarchists. And uh, it didn't, didn't, take, didn't take very long, uh, worked through some of my... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I call it controlled schizophrenia now. Uh, trying to, to, I guess, uh, put together a coherent philosophy and, and ideology to adhere to. And uh, basically, once I had that, I, I went straight into Austrian economics uh, and philosophy. Read, uh, obviously, your, your Rothbard, Mises, um, Etienne de la Boetti, uh, I guess the old French philosopher, one of, uh, one of the, original, uh, um, the original anarchists from, I think, the 16th century. Um, Gustave de Molinari. Um, oh, who else? Um, obviously, you know, a lot of Austrian, uh, Austrian economists, um, and then, yeah, basically, um, Rothbard, Konkin, um, yeah, basically the path kind of, kind of, kind of typical there. I, I think I found Molyneux towards the end of 2015, uh, and, you know, he had some, he had a couple really good videos. I'm sad to see where he is now, but, um, anyway, the, the videos he had up are, are still there, and I think they're, they're valuable. It's just kind of, it's just kind of like two different people, but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I went down kind of the, the typical path. And um, then I guess the path got pretty atypical uh, <laughs> rather quickly after that point. So that led you to Kavanu uh, eventually. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, and how did that? How did that? Where did you first hear about this? Yeah. So uh, in twenty at the beginning of twenty sixteen, I started uh, something called the Direct Action Series on LUA Radio, and. Uh, it was probably about three months into the direct action series. Uh, my co-host of the Vonnie podcast, who unfortunately he's been a lot, he's been really busy, uh, hasn't been able to record for probably oh, coming up on four or five months now. Mm. But uh, he shot me a link to this book and a book review, and he said, "I don't know." It was, it was Ray. It was Vonnie the Search for Personal Freedom. He said, "I don't know anything about this. I've read a couple book reviews. Might be interesting if you want to shell out the thirty dollars for it." And uh, I read the book review, and I said, I "Guess I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Not, not really sure what I'm going to get." Uh, so I ordered uh, one of, I guess, the five copies left on Amazon, and uh, I got it, and I read it, and I was kind of fascinated that this was a guy from uh, the 1960s and 70s that was, uh, he had some critiques of anarcho-capitalism back then. It, uh, I, think, I think some of them are, are very fair critiques. He wasn't come at it from a, I mean, he was a free market guy. He was just uh, very much into, uh, into strategy. Um, he had some, some very inter- interesting critiques of uh, kind of uh, the philosophy I'd been looking into back, yeah, back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he was a very, very radical guy. He uh, was a van nomad for, uh, for some time. And uh, then he pursued wilderness fauna, which was basically living in a tent in northern Oregon, uh, or I guess northern California, southern Oregon, in the Siskiyou region. And uh, you know, I was kind of enthralled with it. I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, obviously there were a lot of other strategies he talked about. But uh, it was unlike anything I'd found within the libertarian circles <laughs> up until that point. Like, there might have been a mention or two of seasteading, but uh, that was, and, and obviously agorism, but... I hadn't heard about these alternative lifestyles uh, in the pursuance of freedom. So um, I found out about that uh, in March of 2016, and uh, Kyle and I recorded an audiobook for it. I digitized it, which the process was grueling. 
uh, to say the least. I had to uh, type the entire book into Word, uh, proofread it four or five times, record the audiobook for it, and then uh, put it out for free. Um, but I didn't want that book to get lost. I knew it was important, uh, and I didn't want it to get lost. So um, the last two episodes we did on the Direct Action series were on Vanu, and both of the episodes are like three hours long. Uh, two longest, <laughs> two longest uh, podcasts, in my, or I guess two longest radio episodes in my life. Um, totaling about six hours on Vanu, because we didn't know we were going to start the podcast. It wasn't until I, I eventually came across some other Vanu publications, and I told Kyle, man, we need to start the Vanu podcast. Like this, we need, people need to know about this. So, uh, yeah, in January of uh, 2017, I guess, yeah, January of 2017, we started the Vanu podcast, and the response was incredible from the start, because it was completely original. Uh, you really didn't hear anyone else in uh, you know, libertarian and anarchist circles talking about uh, about these things. So we kind of had a natural monopoly, and we still kind of do. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the, the story of Vanu. And I guess um, for, for those who may be new to it, I should probably define that. Uh, so Vanu is basically, um, I guess, lifestyle changes in pursuance of an invulnerability to coercion um, uh, from both public coercers, governments, and private coercers, uh, just per, uh, uh, violators of person and property. So... Um, I mentioned some of the lifestyles, uh, uh, van nomadism, wilderness fauna, intentional communities, um, ethical enclave trading, which is actually a precursor to agorism. Um, it is agorism, but it, but uh, Ray wrote an article on it when Konkin would have been like 17 or 18 years old. And uh, Konkin went, did mention uh, Rayo um, and a handful of publications uh, crediting him for, uh, for his efforts. So uh, it's a little piece of uh, interesting libertarian history that I didn't know I'd come across. Um, I guess other strategies, uh, living on a sailboat, um, strategic relocation, um, like the Free State Project would be an example of that. Um, you know, the, uh, the anarchist comedian Acapulco um, would be another. And uh, what other strategies are there? Vonoing <clears throat> um, in cities, which is basically trying to be, be as invulnerable to coercion as possible in the cities, which uh, we still haven't done a lot of, uh, a lot of exploration on that. Uh, but anyway, I guess that'd be uh, kind of how Vonoing started. And... Uh, also, um, defining the terms for, because I know a lot of people haven't heard of Vani, so <laughs> I figured that was important. Yeah, that's uh, very important stuff. So would you say that Vanu is kind of the, the answer to, um, the pragmatic answer to the problems everyone complains about in the anarchist community? You know, we all, we all talk about the issues and the problems with the state, and what you're saying is that this is potentially an answer to that question? Um, I would say, uh, uh, I'll start by saying, yes, it's a very individualizable answer. Um, Vanu is, uh, you know, Ray has said this often, Vanu is yours for the making. This isn't, uh, this isn't a strategy coming down from, you know, uh, from a great man or something telling you how to do it. Um, this is, uh, Vanu is something that you have to develop for yourself because we all come from different financial situations, uh, family situations, um, all of those things. So my pursuit of Vanu is going to be different than yours. I, I, yeah, uh, different than yours. Um, my pursuit of Vanu is going to be different than Kyle's down there in Austin, Texas. Um, so Vanu is very much a, a very much an individual thing. Um, so I think uh, for people who are really passionate about freedom, uh, who are willing to make radical lifestyle changes in pursuance of it, um, I think it's a very practical way um, to go up, go about doing it. Um, I definitely do. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, for, for, for some folks, I mean, there are a lot of uh, political crusaders out there who, um, you know, they, they just kind of want to do the politics thing. And, uh, you know, I used to be kind of harsh on them. Um, but 
now, you know, I mean, they, they can do what they're going to do. I'm going to do what, do what I'm going to do. Uh, my pursuit of freedom isn't affected by, um, you know, their, um, their politics. Um, so a lot of folks aren't going to, um, you know, it's a very niche thing. Um, like I said, it's for people who have a radical desire for freedom. Um, and, um, but yeah, I do think it's practical um, for those who, for those who, are, who, who really, really desire freedom. I heard a podcast a while ago where you were either a guest or you were part of the, uh, uh, kind of part of the, I guess, hosts. And I think I recall you talking about getting a van and kind of making a, had a plan to kind of, I forget where you started and where you ended up. Can you kind of tell that story? Yeah, so that was the, that was the plan, uh, I guess, starting about a year ago, actually. It just came up on my Facebook memories. I put up a, a post on the Volney Podcast website, a van nomad the making. But, uh, you know, things, things changed really, really quickly. Uh, it changed really drastically. Um, I, I'm still interested in the lifestyle, obviously. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun traveling around. Um, I yeah, still, um, when I first uh, heard about Vani, my, my dream, and it still is my dream down the road to live on a sailboat or at least, uh, you know, travel on a sailboat for, uh, you know, a couple months or something. Um, but yeah, the Van Amazon thing didn't, uh, didn't really pan out. Um, just cause I, I guess, I guess I got anxious and wanted to just wanted to, you know, live Vani now, um, <laughs> instead of having to buy the van, convert it. And, uh, um, and, and also too, um, one of the reasons that Rayo moved on from Van Nomadism to Wilderness Vani was, um, he didn't like the adherence to, to slave tax, the uh, driver's licensure, the registration, um, those sort of, and, also, and, ob- and uh, obviously, since you're on public, uh, so-called public roads all the time, um, you can uh, fall under the, uh, under, under the uh, purview of, uh, of the cops very easily. So um, in some ways, it does make you more invulnerable to coercion, but in others, it's, uh, it's uh, in others, it doesn't. But there's, there are new ones out there doing it now, and they, they seriously enjoy it, and they have, they've had little issues whatsoever. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that didn't pan out. That was that was the that was the goal for that was the goal and kind of the plan for for a few months, um, and then I randomly decided to move to Austin, Texas, um, to live with uh, my co-host on a podcast, uh, Kyle Reardon. Um, so yeah, I lived there for a few months, and then I uh, went to Acapulco for a month and a half um, with uh, with my buddy Jason Henza, and uh, then now I'm I'm in Southern Illinois um, on uh, on the homestead. So there really hasn't been a plan to any of this, man. You know, I I put out a plan, but nothing's gone according to it <laughs> so um but it, it's it's been it's been a tumultuous last like last six months i guess but um it's been um extremely freeing and i mean it's been a very frugal lifestyle to say the least but um i mean it's 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 been a lot of fun um it really has that is awesome yeah well i you know i'm not sure how old you are but i think you're doing exactly what you should do not that it really matters in my opinion but um a lot of us get in that trap where, at least, uh, I'm, I won't say my generation, but um, you know, you grew up. Uh, you're, you said go to go to school, um, go to college, get married, buy a house, have kids, and then just work your life away and, and wish you had the time to do things you're doing now. So uh, I applaud your your uh, willingness and ability ability to do so. Right, right. And, and you know, I, I do wish, um, obviously, I was, you know, maybe in a better financial situation, but at the same time, I'm only 26. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know some 26-year-olds that are in a good financial position at this age, but, um, but, uh, but not a lot of them. So, um, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I really didn't have anything tying me down, and these opportunities arose. And, uh, you know, for, for, since I found Vaughn, I'd been making excuses the entire time. Like, well, you know, I'll put together a plan and, you know, do this the right way, as if there's, you know, a right and a wrong way to, to do it. 
Um, but yeah, these opportunities arose, and I just took them kind of because I could. Um, and I mean, it was you know, some of it was uh, was a little a little uh, little scary, but uh, you know, kind of the fear of the unknown, not really knowing how how this was all going to turn out. But um, I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, as far as Vanu, I did I did uh, <clears throat> some country shopping, some uh, strategic relocation. Uh, did wilderness Vanu in Texas for in total for about a month. Um, I mean, it was yeah, it was a, a really really great experience, and I, I would highly recommend. Um, like uh, also another example, uh, one of my buddies, Jeremy Hangeller, um, I guess starting in June of last year, I think his kind of set me off. Kind of, uh, um, I've been talking about Vanu for a while and making plans, and uh, Jeremy just decided to move into a, move into his. Uh, I don't remember what vehicle he has, like a Honda, uh, I guess a Honda Element, I think it is. He just decided to sell his house and move into his element. And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> so, and 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 he 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 made that comment to me first, and I was like, "You know, I, I think you're right. I think you're right." Um, but uh, but he's got he's got a uh, uh, he's got a family with two kids, and um, he's he's made it work, and he's 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 enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so, I mean, people from all varying walks of life and all varying situations uh, pursue Vanu. Um, so, uh, not just, it's not just for, 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 uh, you know, 26 year olds. Uh, so I figured that that was worth pointing out. Yeah. So did Jeremy ever make the, his escape from New York? Um, I guess, uh, or, you know. not, not, not permanently. No, um, not permanently. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, I, I need to actually reach out to him. It's been a, it's been a, probably a few weeks or a month before, since I've talked to him, but, uh, no, he's, he's still in New York. Um, but uh, he's in he's in a better better situation than he was. That's good. Uh, so um, yeah, he's got he's got an interesting situation worked out. Um, or at least he did a month ago. I I need to reach out and see how it's going. So yeah. um, very very conducive for a fan nomad. Yeah, that was that's a sad story that man tells. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you. You know, we talked earlier off online, but off the air about uh, your project, uh, your Dark Lance and Dark Buck project. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Sure, sure. So, um, Darklands, I guess the, the the summary before I before I kind of break down some uh, break down a few parts of it. But uh, basically, Darklands is a privacy focused freelancing marketplace uh, utilizing Bitcoin for payments. Um, so, in essence, I mean that this started out as uh, as a cryptocurrency project called Vonicoin. And uh, it was going to be a one-stop shop for self-liberation. So we we're gonna—it was gonna do everything, like 25 different things. Uh, but for anyone who's ever been in a development project with uh, without venture capitalist funding and without uh, and kind of as a part-time, you know, hobby sort of thing, um, you can't you can't uh, you know build something secure and, and functional. Uh, you can't of, of that scale. So we had to we had to hone in our focus a little bit. And uh, the the idea behind it was one of the major hurdles. Uh, that I've I've heard uh, and that I've kind of experienced um, to finding lifestyles is is work and money. So we figured, well, one thing we can build is a freelancing marketplace, uh, you know, focused on privacy and utilizing Bitcoin, um, and give digital nomads a way to to make money. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of the the overview of it. Um, See, so yeah, I mentioned privacy. Everything is going to be encrypted. Um, there's instant messaging, file transfers. Um, if we can get audio and video chat through Jitsi implemented, uh, then that will all be end-to-end -end encrypted as well. Um, we're going to heavily promote security culture, I guess heavily, um, yeah, heavily promote security culture. And in some cases, we're going to make it mandatory um, because if you make if you make privacy 
a choice, most people won't use it, and it will lessen the privacy and security of everyone else. Um, so privacy will be mandatory in many, uh, in many respects. Um, also, we aren't going to ask you, well, we, I mean, it's we, I mean, it's, it's a peer-to-peer um, decentralized project. So the Darklands isn't going to ask you for government documents to prove your identity. We're not going to ask you for a W-9. So if you make more than $500, we're going to send that friendly form off to the IRS. Um, nothing like that. Um, I guess uh, um, additionally, there's a, a really cool uh, network out there called Scuttlebutts, and I'm not sure how technically you want me to get, but um, this is this is very good for development. We haven't we haven't gotten into development yet. Um, we've done some testing, but uh, Scuttlebutt will actually be the um, the network protocol that we use, um, the decentralized network protocol, and it's already working now. Um, there's something called um, a Patchwork, which is a decentralized social media platform that you can download and use today. Um, it's a really slick. It's a it's a pretty nice platform. Um, it's not perfect. We uh, we definitely uh, redesign it and such. But but yeah, I mean it's uh, that's that's already there. Our network protocol is already there, and uh, that's uh, that puts us uh, a huge huge step ahead. So um, I guess let me see if there's anything. Uh, and again, I mean I can go as technical as you want me to. Um, but but yeah, Bitcoin is going to be a core. Uh, it's going to be you know a, a core. It's going to be a core feature of Darklands. Um, not only will it be the method of payments. Um, but it will also be um, it also be the foundation for for uh, part of the reputation system. So um, each identity. So consider this like a Facebook profile, um, just to to make it easier. Um, so a Scuttlebutt identity or a Facebook profile, Scuttlebutt profile um, would be a Scuttlebutt key and a Bitcoin public key. So um, so all of your jobs and such would be would be would be um, verifiable on the blockchain to prevent spam and um, to uh, strengthen the reputation system. Um, so Bitcoin is a huge part of this. We couldn't, we, I mean, yeah, we really couldn't do it without Bitcoin. Um, really couldn't. So um, that's kind of the, I guess, the, the brief overview and some of the, some of the key points. Um, but, I mean, we, uh, I just released the white paper a month ago. Uh, so if, you're, uh, if your listeners want to go uh, and read uh, through all the grueling details, um, <laughs> they're uh, into technical white papers. Uh, they can go to tinyurl.com forward slash darklands white paper. Uh, but it's, it's just a, it's a project I'm, I'm really passionate about. And um, my focus really for the last year has been trying to build tools um, so that people can live on it. Um, and that's, uh, and Darklands is just, um, I guess, uh, the op- another, another offspring of that. Okay. So, so you said earlier Scuttlebutt is kind of like, uh, like Facebook then? Um, so I so mean, Patchwork. Yeah, so so patchwork is like a, it's it's like a social media platform, but all Scuttlebutt is is is, is a network protocol. So it's just how um, each it's how users connect to each other um, is all Scuttlebutt is. Um, but it's it's very it's a very very secure and um, it's a very secure and functional um, network right now. Um, so I guess um, to think of it this way, and this may not be the the perfect the perfect analogy, but <clears throat> so Facebook would be the social media platform, and say like the internet would be. Um, the net, the way people connect um, on Facebook, so it'd be the network protocol. Okay, and I like the fact that you have that kind of a, almost like a meritocracy as far as um, people's rating. I mean, what kind of what kind of things do you think will go into that? To, you know, being uh, just their work itself, or um, how quick they are, or all kinds of different uh, um, factors will go into that rating. Um, so, so for, uh, I think you're referring to the reputation system. Yes. And, um, yeah, so, so ratings and reviews, I mean, that's a, that's a tried and true, uh, thing, you know, Etsy, eBay, 
Amazon, all of these places use it, and it's it's very very reliable. Um, if uh, someone has 500 five star reviews on eBay, you can be pretty sure that you're not going to get ripped off. Um, they really want their five star their their, their five star reviews. Um, so that will obviously be um, that will obviously be uh, that'll obviously be a way for reputation in Darklands. But we're going a couple a couple steps further. I mentioned uh, Bitcoin will also be uh, I guess the Bitcoin blockchain will be used for reputation. And uh, we're going a, a, a step further um, than that with something called the cir- uh, circle of trust. And uh, the idea here is that, well, actually, define circle of trust. The idea is that you have like a first and a second layer. Um, the first being the closest. So your first layer, uh, your first uh, layer, your inner inner layer of trust would be um, your closest friends and your closest family uh, family members, people you can trust 100% and uh, not have any worry about uh, the risk of uh, coercion or fraud or anything of that nature. Now, obviously, since this is a uh, an open source project, you know, on the internet, then um, that's not always going to be possible. So um, the second layer of uh, second layer of trust would be like friends of friends. So the the, the and I guess the example I use uh, that I use now, I wouldn't recommend anyone do this because people have gotten locked up for money transmitter violations. But um, I uh, so <clears throat> say John goes on Facebook and uh, he's trying to buy Bitcoin and. Uh, uh, Jane is uh, his. Jane is his best friend. You know they've known each other for 20 years. Um, they trust each other pretty well. well let's say Jane's friend um, Steve comes on there and he says, "Well, I've got some Bitcoin. I'm more than happy to sell it to you." Well, John doesn't know Steve, but um, but Jane knows Steve very very well. Um, so John doesn't necessarily have to know um, that person directly um, in order to you know have trust that that transaction is going to be uh, successful and that uh, there's not going to be any any fraud. Um, so the idea is, you know, utilizing friends of friends, um, utilizing uh, reputation, I guess, uh, utilizing secondary reputation, um, at least in some sense. So, um, I mean, the anarchist community is great for this, right? Um, in many, many regards. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, the the, cir- the circle of trust thing um, is is very, very, I, I think, um, very underutilized. Um, so we're, we're that's uh, that's something we're going to use in uh, in Darklands and beyond that. Um, the Scuttlebutt Network protocol is by default set up for two hops. Um, so peers can only connect if they're within two hops of each other. And that would be the second layer of trust. And once you get outside of those second layers, you're out into kind of the unknown, and the risk of fraud and coercion increases drastically. Um, or it may increase drastically, but there's just a higher risk of it. So, um, yeah, we, we want to we try to limit. I mean, Vani was all about becoming as influential with coercion as humanly possible. So, obviously, we want to make sure that uh, the people who use Darklands uh, can um, evade that as much as as much as they can. Yeah, that is that's interesting stuff right there. It sounds like I mean, obviously you put a ton of work into this. Um, I looked over your white paper and you know I read the words, but it kind of just you know my jaw kind of went slack and drool came out of the corner of my mouth looking at it, trying to you know really make sense of it. It's it's quite impressive, that's for sure. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. So, you have a couple books now, or you got how many books are you up to now? Uh, just the one. Just, <laughs> just the, the one. I'm working. I'm working on the second one now. Um, but that first one took in total like a year and a half to do. And I just, I guess, I guess I just released that, um, maybe uh, towards the end of last year. So, um, yeah, I'm working on the second one now. But uh, the the one that's out now is called Vanuay's Strategy for Self Liberation. And um, it's basically, uh, I mentioned uh, Rayo's book that I found that kind of started this entire journey. It was called Va- uh, Vanu, A Search for Personal Freedom. And uh, the idea with this book was 
basically to cover the philosophy briefly and to uh, cover the Konkin and uh, Rayo connection, because I thought that was particularly interesting, because Konkin's pretty popular in our circles. Um, and then I just kind of walked through uh, all uh, as many lifestyle changes as I could uh, and uh, told people kind of how to, how to, how to go about, uh, how they could go about doing it. So, um, yeah, that's available on Amazon and also at uh, libertyunderattack.com. But, uh, and this will be, uh, I guess, a, a scoop for, for your audience. I haven't actually talked about it yet. Um, but the second book I'm working on is obviously, um, we just talked about Darklands. Crypto anarchism is, I guess, I guess crypto anarchist is kind of like the primary label I go by now. So my next book is going to be, uh, I guess, maybe tentatively titled, uh, uh, titled Crypto Anarch- uh, Venuan's Guide to Crypto Anarchism or something like that. So basically talking about how um, these various open source uh, technologies and Bitcoin uh, can help to make individuals more invulnerable to coercion. So um, that's uh, in the process, but I don't know how quick that'll how quick that'll come out. <laughs> we'll see. Right. Uh, you're yeah. You're doing a lot of work, man. Um, talk about going mobile. Sure. So uh, going mobile is uh, an audiobook available uh, under Libertarian Tech Publications. I think the only one right now. Yeah, the only one right now. And uh, Going Mobile is basically, uh, it's a, a Venu and Van Life publication from like the 1960s and 70s. Uh, so Rayo has a couple, a couple few articles in there uh, kind of talking about uh, 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 the van nomadism lifestyle. Um, there were some other articles and uh, other articles and experiences from other van nomads back in that time. Uh, there were some very retro uh, <laughs> van conversion uh, diagrams and things uh, they didn't have youtube like we do today so it was it was funny to to, to look back uh, at to compare like the youtube video like the youtube van bills which there there's so many of them you could you could watch for months of, you could watch van conversion videos for months months in a row and not run out of them um but it was just it was it was, it was very cool to look back at like in the 1970s and watch how these how, how these venuans were i guess trying to to design their vans for for living aboard um so yeah, that's that's going mobile. It was just, uh, I guess, a van life uh, magazine from uh, the sixties and seventies. Okay. So besides, you know, we consider Vanu your your major. Do you have a, a minor? I mean, do you have a? I mean, what's your what's your secondary thing that kind of uh, you're you're interested in 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 the in the realm, or do you have one? Sure. Um, so yeah, Vaughn Vaughn is definitely first, and uh, I, I guess uh, I, I guess uh, you asked a, a question in pre-show, like is, uh, is is which one's kind of the parent, and which one's kind of the offspring, or a question a question like that. Well, Vaughn is kind of the parent of everything that I do, and then everything else kind of uh, stems stems from that. So, um, like I said, crypto anarchism is uh, truly, uh, I guess, my secondary passion, and it, it's a primary passion too, because um, I think crypto anarchism is one of the most practical tools that we have to make ourselves invulnerable to, to the coercion of the state, um, to increase our privacy, and to um, build pockets of freedom in the here and now. So um, I guess one of the main, main differences between me and, and quite a few other crypto anarchists is when I bring up Vanu to, to some of them, like they're still thinking purely digital. That's, uh, you know, well, we can't be free until Bitcoin is, you know, the standard current, the, you know, the, I guess the, uh, the, the standard medium of exchange. Or that, um, yeah, but basically that that you know we can't be free until you know big, until like something like that happens. And um, there's a book that we have uh, under Liberty Attack Publications called Second Round Book on Strategy, and it was the first attempt I saw um, by Smuggler and XYZ to obviously pseudonyms 
to combine the crypto-anarchist realm, not only in the purely digital sense, but also in the physical sense. So utilizing these technologies to actually um, be able to build pockets of freedom in physical space and time. Um, so that's kind of, that's, I mean, that's everything I do. I love the digital realm. I love encryption. I love um, these uh, decentralized marketplaces. I love all of these things. But human beings are social creatures. I mean, I think that's why freedom festivals like the Midwest Peace Liberty Fest um, and Jackalope and Anarchapulco and all these all these events are getting so popular is because we kind of get sick of the all internet thing, right? I um, mean, you know, we want we want to go meet meet uh, you know meet like minded people. So there's already this this natural passion and drive to um, be around each other, uh, be around like minded people, and um, that's I think crypto anarchism is a great way um, to do that for privacy and security and um, and you know for for the for economies like Bitcoin. Um, I think it's um, it's really one of the most self-liberatory technologies or self-liberatory uh, strategies that we have uh, available to us today. And previous Venuans did not have it, so we better to him utilize it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, the, I was aware of the, when Bitcoin kind of came into, um, it was actually toward the beginning. I don't know how I heard about it, but it really intrigued me. It must have been through... Um, you know, I'm sure it's some kind of anarchist-styled uh, uh, website or something. And, it, of course, it started off real slow. It uh, kind of made its, uh, its gains and losses, and then it kind of skyrocketed for a while there, as, as we all saw, mm -hmm. and then started to drop and drop and drop. Do you think that, at least my speculation is, it seems like it's actually returning to its real, um, lack of a better term, value. Now that all the people who kind of you know pumped and dumped got out, and mm -hmm. we're starting to see more of a plateau, and it's actually the the true plateau. Sure, uh, and and I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's an unfair or necessarily uh, inaccurate um, inaccurate outlook on it. Um, I guess I guess the way that uh, the way that I look at it is if you look back at the history of the price of Bitcoin, I mean these uh, these drops aren't um, they aren't abnormal, and you know year or two uh, bear markets aren't uh, abnormal either. Um, but I, I guess I guess what I what I'd really um, and obviously I care about I care about price. Um, I, I obviously care about price, um, but you also have to consider too that um, really the the only People that have, uh, I guess, the only we're speaking in terms of like uh, nations or I guess uh, geographies, um, really like uh, places like Venezuela and Greece who have like they who have like true true economic crashes. Um, they realize that you know they realize firsthand the utility of Bitcoin. Um, but in a lot of Western, I guess, a lot of Western nations, a lot of Western countries, that that need really isn't uh, visible yet. Um, it will be sometime, um, but I don't know when that's going to be. I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to predict uh, when the when the crash is going to be. Plenty of other people have done that before me and been wrong. So, and they're a lot smarter than I am. Um, but I think I think what I what I'd really focus on when it comes to Bitcoin is um, bear markets are for building. So, um, like there's uh, like for example, Lightning Labs, um, the people that are building the Lightning Network, uh, the off-chain scaling solution. Um, there's been a ton of progress in that realm. Um, Despite the price being what it is, um, there's been a ton of work. Um, there's uh, you can go buy you can buy a, a lightning node today and start accepting lightning payments. Um, or I guess you can open up a lightning channel. So 
Um, sure, like uh, obviously, you know, Bitcoin's still an experimental. Bitcoin's still experimental. I mean, don't put in don't, don't put in any more money than uh, you can you know afford to lose. Um, but Lightning's definitely that way now too. Um, but uh, uh, the off scale or I guess the um, the off chain scaling also provides uh, huge increases in privacy as well. So, um, well, I don't think, like I said, I don't think your, your outlook is inaccurate and no one can really foresee the future. <clears throat> but regardless of, uh, regardless of price, the technology will still work. Um, it will still work. Um, now, obviously, there's economic incentives, like uh, for miners, if, it's, if it drops down to $10, they, they, um, there may not be as many miners. Um, if it drops down to $10, then, um, you know, so there, there's, there's some certain some economic ramifications. But the important thing is that regardless of price, the technology still works. Um, so that's kind of the, the I guess, the, the view that I ha- have on it. But I'm not going to be like some of those folks who say, I don't look at price. I do look at price. But I'm more concerned about the technology um, at this point because we're still only 10 years into Bitcoin. Uh, so we, we, can't, we can't see, I mean, we, we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, we really don't. Like I said, tech, the technology behind it is what's important. Um, it's uh, what's so freeing. And uh, I don't know. That's why I'm excited about it. So you you must have already bought your Lam- your Lamborghini then, so you're you're done with it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, def- definitely not done. No, definitely no. not done. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, I had a I had a, a decent portfolio, but due to some some personal economic downturns, I had to liquidate um, some of my portfolio, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, if I if I, I and see a lot of people who had big stacks who didn't sell at the high point, um, they're probably not feeling too happy about it. So uh, yeah. they may have a different perspective. Right, right. Hey, have you had a chance? Um, have you had any speaking, speaking engagements anywhere to uh, kind of share the message? The message. Uh, yeah. So every year um, I speak at the Midwest Peace Liberty Fest, um, and that's uh, it's it's June it's uh, June of this year. I don't remember this the specific date, but uh, I'll be giving a talk uh, again. Um, and this year will be uh, another talk on Vanu. Uh, it'll be called Vanu, a strategy for self-liberation, same title as my book. Um, last year, I did, the, I did a talk on second round book on strategy. Um, that was that uh, book by Smelgaran XYZ about merging crypto anarchists in the digital realm with the physical realms. And um, let me see. Yeah, the year before, I did uh, my first talk on Vanu when I, I knew a lot less than I do now. So it's kind of time for a I guess a redux version of that speech, and one that's actually uh, on video, um, like last year's was. Um, but outside of that, no, I was going to go to Anarchapulco this year and uh, Anarchaforco um, in Acapulco, um, but some, my, I guess, uh, situation here precluded me from doing so, and um, it's uh, it worked out okay. Uh, it worked out okay. Um, but um, yeah, nothing else to really speak of uh, as far as uh, speaking engagements. But uh, I always enjoy going to the MPL Fest. And uh, it's always a great crowd and always very receptive to the uh, strange subjects I bring to the table. <laughs> They're ones that no one else does. Where do they, where do they hold the MPL? Um, yeah, so the, uh, the Midwest Peace Liberty Fest is in Delton, Michigan. Um, it's, I guess it's kind of the southwestern part uh, of Michigan. Okay. Um, so the beautiful, beautiful location. Um, I, mean, like, uh, ever, I guess the past couple of years, there's been, like, I guess, two years ago, maybe 100 people last year maybe 150 people i mean it's still at the point now where it's uh there's there's you you won't have time to talk to everybody or meet everybody but um it's still you know very very close-knit so it's still got that sort of atmosphere that i think probably Porkfest had 
know, five or seven years ago or however many years ago. I don't know. I, I never went to Porkfest. Yeah, it always seems like those things happen either in the Midwest or the East or uh, down in Mexico. So uh, I would like to bring something like that up here to the Northwest. It seems like we're kind of lacking in that uh, movement up here. Okay, so you're, you're in the Northwest then. Okay, um, let me see. Yeah, I don't know. I think the closest thing to you would be Jackalope, and that's uh, it's in the Southwest. <laughs> so um, that's that'd probably be a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big trek. Yeah. So yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate. But yeah, definitely get out to one when you when you when you get a chance. Um, there's there, you know, life changing experiences. And uh, talked about second realms. Fruit and festivals are second realms. Um, you know, it's it's one of the few times a year uh, a lot of anarchists get to experience. Uh, you know, the cult. You know, an anarchist culture. Um, so yeah, for you and, and your listeners, if you ever have a chance to get out to a freedom festival, I don't really care which one it is. Um, just get out there and, uh, I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll have, you'll undoubtedly have a great time. It sounds like I have to start my own then up here in, uh, up here in Washington state. It's, it's kind of an enclave up here anyway. So I should probably try to bring some more peace loving people out of the woodwork and, and see, see what I get. Um, so you, you you mentioned a few times uh, second realm. Can you kind of give a and you probably already have gone over it. Can you kind of give a brief uh, kind of a summary of that? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, so the first realm. Um, if you're talking about the second realm, we got to talk about the first realm. So the first realm is um, basically just the the status the, the status world that we live in. It's uh, all of the coercion, the violence, the lack of freedom, the lack of privacy, the lack of financial opportunity. Um, the lack of financial choices, you know, th- those sorts of things. It's uh, it's what it's what anarchists are very familiar, very familiar with. It's what, uh, you know, we we kind of rant and rave against and try to try to make ourselves free from free from. Um, so that's the first realm. Um, the second realm is basically, uh, um, if your listeners are familiar with uh, Hakeem Bey's notion of temporary autonomous zones, um, it's basically pockets of freedom. Um, it's basically pockets of freedom where we can be free. Um, and you know, do we do what we want to? So another way to put it is um, not building the new society within the shell of the old, but building the new society outside of it and despite it, uh, despite its existence. So the ideas and uh, so some examples here that I that I could uh, that I could um, put out there uh, for if if you or any of your listeners have uh, uh, read or watched uh, Janiel Schulman's Alongside Nights, um, Aurora um, would be an example of a second realm. Um, there's a book that we have uh, available under Liber- Libertarian Tag Publications called Hashtag Agora. Um, there are second realms uh, all through that book. Um, let me see here. Um, basically, uh, um, uh, 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 temporal, uh, I guess a, uh, a van nomad squat spot would be would be a second realm. Um, it's a place uh, you know it's uh, mobile in nature. Um, the coercers if you, the coercers can't find you, the coercers can't coerce you. Um, so a van nomad squat spot would be a second realm. Um, freedom festivals would be second realms. Um, I guess uh, in some in some sense, like uh, uh, yes, uh, some places throughout the world could be considered second realms, like uh, like uh, Acapulco for some, um, Puerto Rico for others, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's basically just places where we as individuals can be free and exercise our autonomy without having to worry about the coercive um, the, the coercive society um, that exists. Um, that's kind of the idea. Is uh, just being free in the here and now, um, and uh, implementing safeguards and security measures to uh, ensure that we can do so. So, 
the, it got me thinking about something. Um, of course, a lot of us would like to uh, kind of pursue that one lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as possible and to the fullest extent as possible as well. Um, obviously, you know that you know, we're all kind of, I can't say all of us, but it's myself kind of trapped, you know, got the uh, bills to pay and, and uh, mm -hmm. to go to, got to get that health insurance, you know. But oh, yeah. are there any small things that, you know, an individual or family could do that kind of just, just a little bit at a time kind of have that kind of detract from the state? You know, are there any techniques, um, uh, you know, things we can do, places we can go, people we can talk to to kind of uh, get that more of that feeling? Sure. Yeah, of course. And uh, they're, they're definitely uh, definitely small. I mean, small but not insignificant things that you can do. Um, I mean, uh, one of the things I've, I, I always recommend, because, I mean, you, you can start doing this for, for little to no cost. I mean, very, you, I mean, you can spend as much as you want to on anything. People will take your money and, and provide you with something. But um, you can spend as little as you want to on something like food storage. Um, so for the, for, for the time when, uh, um, you know, for the time when, uh, you know, maybe someone loses their job, uh, maybe someone in your family loses their job and, uh, you know, don't have a whole lot of money for food. Well, if you have a bunch of uh, food storage reserves, then that comes in handy at that point. Um, if there's something like uh, economic collapse or, um, you know, some you know something worse than that or something some other uh, catastrophe, um, well, making yourselves uh, you know making you know, getting as self-sufficient as you possibly can so you aren't reliant upon um, those institutions of the first realm like uh, like uh, grocery stores and uh, um, uh, you know like uh, the welfare state and things like that. Um, that's a terrific thing. Basically, ensuring that you can survive. Um, ensure you can survive if those things cease to exist tomorrow. Um, that's a, a major, major first step. And um, I think it's, uh, for a lot of folks, it's, it's the first of many. Um, that would, yeah, that'd be the, uh, um, the, the first thing. Um, beyond that, I mean, just, uh, I, I'd say try to, uh, 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 strategically, uh, strategic, uh, I can't ever say this word, strategically withdraw from the state in every way possible that you can. Um, so I've, uh, for years, I've recommended people cancel their voter registration. It's a very small thing, but it feels very good to do. Um, and you can go to uh, tinyurl.com forward slash cancel voter um, if you want to uh, find out how to do it in your state. Um, that's a very good, very, you know, very freeing first, very freeing first step. Once you cancel your voter registration, you can't legally vote. Not saying that uh, <laughs> you couldn't find a way to if you wanted to, but, um, uh, but, but still, I think that's, uh, that's another good thing you can do. Um, use uh, Bitcoin and barter um, as as much as you can. Um, not using uh, government fiat. Um, oh, what else? I mean, start your own garden. Um, I mean, you can do this in uh, in, um, in, in uh, up there in the Northwest. I'm sure. Uh, maybe, maybe you live in a in a rural area. You know, just uh, you know, grow your own food. Um, I lived in a city and had a garden for for a few years. Uh, very, it was a it was a rather small garden, but I had to give food away. Um, it was producing so much. Um, so yeah, produce, uh, produce as much as you can yourself and, uh, become as self-sufficient as possible. And, uh, the, 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 I guess the last piece of advice I'll pause at right now is, and this will, regardless of what you decide to do, even if you can't, um, even if you can't pursue, uh, you know, a Vani lifestyle like fan nomadism or p perpetual traveling or, um, something like that, um, pursue financial, financial independence. 
Um, and this is done by way of um, uh, you know cutting your expenses and saving as much as you possibly can, so that at some point you can uh, so you can retire earlier uh, you know earlier than the corporate government approved age of retirement. Um, so, for example, like um, uh, there's a guy named Jake DeSillis, and I, I it, well, I'll use him as an example. I'm pretty sure he's he, I'm pretty sure he yeah he is he wrote books on it. Um, but uh, basically, he um, um, he wrote a, a, a book called Four Ways with the Rat Race. And um, I think he's uh, he's like 40 or he's, he may be like 40 and he's already retired. Um, a job becomes optional for him. Um, so the idea is to cut your expenses, save as much as you can um, so that you can retire as early as possible. Um, and then uh, also um, along, that, along that same line of thoughts, frugality, um, that, that goes right along with cutting expenses. And... Um, then also too, um, if there's any possible way, I mean, there's, you know, online, you know, the, uh, the internet provides a lot of opportunity, um, directly in school too, hopefully in the near future. Um, but, uh, uh, making your, making your employment location independent. So if, uh, uh, another term for it is digital nomadism, um, where you can work from anywhere. Um, even if you don't do it, even if you work from home, um, the amount of freedom, I, I work from home for a few months in Austin. And I uh, wasn't making a lot of money, but I'll tell you what, being able to wake up 15 minutes before I was supposed to start work and uh, not having to have like a two hour commute every day um, and being able to actually have my hour breaks, um, or I guess being able to have like the entirety of my, my full hour breaks and making my lunch and going back and sit, sit down and watching YouTube videos on Van Nomadism. I mean, it's even if you don't do anything beyond that, just the amount of freedom, something uh, like just financial independence or location independent, uh, location independent employment can do for you. Um, it's really, really crazy. So uh, crazy in a good way. So I guess that would be um, a long-winded way to, uh, to toss out those, I guess, little nuggets of advice. It sounds a lot like, you know, preparedness and uh, homesteading um, type techniques mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, uh, and... I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard work, and it's it's um, you know, it's it's sometimes it can be hard work and a lot of work, but yeah, um, it's basically uh, returning to the lands and it's going back to uh, I guess the early 20th century because that's they didn't have a choice; they had to produce for themselves. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of uh, going back in time, at least in the, to a certain extent, or going back to uh, uh, going back to our, our true roots without, um, I guess. Uh, mass urbanization. So yeah, exactly. Um, exactly right. Yeah, I read a lot of, uh, kind of articles on different uh, kind of preparedness websites and uh, people are always talking about in the U.S., you know, where where is the best place to live and uh, and as far as uh, whether it's there's an economic meltdown or whether there's, uh, you know, food riots or whatever or natural mm -hmm. disasters. Um, have you, I'm sure you probably have kind of looked around in the U.S. and kind of, you know, there are top three places or at least areas of the of the, uh, the nation that you'd kind of put your, you know, hang your hat? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And the place I ended up is, a, is an interesting one because it's not one that would be, it wasn't, I guess it, it wouldn't be the one at the top of really anybody's list. But um, yeah, I live in I, I live in Southern Illinois now, and uh, obviously Chicago is terrible. Um, you know they love passing uh, you know very restrictive gun laws, and uh, you know that's it's I think it's 
but it's number one or two. Uh, it's number number one or two states uh, state in the U.S. for people like it's, it's a mass it's a mass exodus. So um, uh, basically, I and I'll, I'll I'll answer it this way first, and then I'll kind of give uh, give more thought to it. But uh, uh, for me, I mean, uh, this my family is my family, and uh, the friends I have are close to here. Um, I've been coming here for 25 years of my life. I'm very comfortable here. It's very peaceful. Um, I haven't seen cops come ever come here in 25 years. Um, never seen a cop. Um, I just I feel very I feel very very safe here, and um, I guess I've got it set up in such a way. Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, in second realm terms, to be called a proxy merchant. Like, uh, and Rayo, Rayo also talked about this too. But um, having uh, your name on property can increase your risk of coercion. So I've got uh, an interesting situation set up here. Um, obviously uh, with family, um, but um, it, it it helps. Um, I, I, it helps with, uh, I guess, with with, uh, with Vanu. So um, I think that that the first answer to that would be. Um, if there's some place like uh, like this, some uh, some place for any of you or your listeners that's uh, something like I have, um, it may not be the most ideal place, but it may be um, the place where um, you may be most happy and most peaceful, and uh, also um, make yourself as vulnerable to coercion as you possibly can. Um, now, to answer your question more specifically, um, I've always been I've always been uh, interested in the Pacific Northwest, actually. Because uh, that's where Rayo spent a large part of his time. A large part of his time. Um, he also spent time in Bella Coola, British Columbia. So, I mean, very wilderness locations. Uh, you're really rough in it. Um, but, um, and a lot of people don't want don't want to uh, to live such a lifestyle. But um, if uh, you kind of more uh, kind of like uh, your isolation and your kind of uh, you know kind of peacefulness like that, um, those would be options, I suppose. I don't have. I don't know anything beyond uh, anything about Bella Coola, British Columbia beyond that it looks beautiful and uh, there's no roads. <laughs> so um, you know, take that take that for what it's worth. Um, I don't know. Like I, I went to Austin, Texas for for a few years. Maybe Austin is not the best place, um, considering it's 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 a conundrum. It really is. It's it's a very socialist place, but there's lots of guns. They don't try to take them. So it's very strange. Uh, very strange it's an anomaly uh, it's not like that in most places but um i, I don't know like somewhere in texas i, I mean I, I don't really like just uh, make sure it's an unincorporated area so that you can actually do the off-grid homesteading thing they don't try to uh um, hammer you with ordinance violations um that would be the most important piece of advice make sure it's unincorporated because if you try to do off-grid stuff like collect rainwater or uh not have uh, you know a proper septic tank or um you know um, try to get off city water or something like that uh, you know, you could you could run into some problems. So I like Texas because it's a very open gun culture. I mean, open carry is legal there without a permit, and you don't have to have a permit to buy any firearms. So um, as far as self defense, um, there's really uh, no better no better place. Um, so I mean, those would be I I haven't done a whole lot of a lot of investigation into uh, into other locations because I, I really hadn't off grid you know the off grid homesteading thing wasn't going to be something I I, I was going to do immediately, but. Um, here I am again. My my planning my planning is uh, not very good, but worked out for the best I think. <laughs> well, I know you gotta get. I know you gotta go pretty soon. But um, I was just uh, when you were talking about uh, um, different areas to live. I, I can't recall if it was your podcast I heard this on or not. But it was about a proxy um, uh, mail service where 
you can set it up, and I forget mm-hmm. where, it was, uh, where it was located, somewhere I think in Colorado. Um, so you, they right, were, right, right, right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, oh, I, I can definitely speak to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could go for, for, for another 15, 20 minutes if you have, if you have more questions. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not so... I'm not uh, trying to rush out of here. Um, but yeah, so that's called uh, Your Best Address. And um, it's it's kind of a fascist setup, but it's a very, uh, very handy, uh, you know, very handy thing for people who don't, uh, who are who are uh, nomads. Um, so one of the, the major problems is, uh, like, if you have to get mail or get things delivered to you and you don't have a home address, um, it can be difficult. And if you're, if it's things like credit cards or, uh, you know, God forbid, government documents, um, you can't get those sent a lot of times to P.O. boxes. So what your best address provides is a physical address. It's a it's a P.O. box, basically, but it's a physical address. Um, there's actually a physical location. And um, you can use that for, um, for residents in South Dakota, vehicle registration in South Dakota, and... Um, and getting your driver's license in South Dakota. Um, now, if you're if you're a resident of uh, technically say like somewhere like Texas, um, emissions inspection would be a pain. And if you haven't registered your vehicle in Texas, um, they will uh, they'll, they'll uh, get you pretty hard for that. Um, it's very very expensive. So someplace like your best address could save you a lot of money. And um, if you're living a nomadic lifestyle, um, you know, it's you got to have somewhere for for your mail to be sent, and uh, it's basically a remailer service. So like they'll they'll take pictures of the outside of your mail, and they'll say, uh, you know, you want us to throw this away? We'll we'll dispose of it safely for you. Um, you want us to take it out and send you a picture of it? Um, we can do that. Um, I mean, it's uh it's it's one of the best services out there um, that I've been able to find. Um, and uh, actually, I mentioned Jeremy Hangeller. He's he's been using your best address for. Um, I guess probably six or seven months now. They even set up his vehicle registration in South Dakota. He's he's a resident of South Dakota now, and he said uh, compared to New York, where he's from, um, he w- he was in and out of the DMV there in ten minutes. <laughs> so like the South Dakota South Dakota is hurting for revenue. It is super cheap to do it, and um, you know it's just a it's a it's a legal interstice. You know some it's a, a way to utilize uh, you know various legal jurisdictions. Uh, to your benefit. So if uh, you're living a nomadic lifestyle, maybe you don't want to spend that much on a P.O. box. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's available. Yourbestaddress.com. And I'm not sponsored by them in any way whatsoever, but I really should try to get an affiliate, affiliate program set up with them because I've sent so many people their way. Right. Now, do you have to be there in person to get the uh, your license there? Or do you know? Uh, so you, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Um, you have to stay... Um, stay there for one night every five years. Um, so Jeremy went up to South Dakota, stayed at an RV park, got a receipt, went to the DMV, and he's a resident of South Dakota now. Just you have to stay there. You have to stay one night there at some place where you can get a receipt, a hotel, RV park, um, some place like that. So you never have to go back there. <laughs> you never have to go back there except like every five years or so. Okay. And so that also changes your. Uh your, your taxes and, and things from wherever you're living to uh, whatever the uh, tax burdens are in South Dakota? Sure, sure, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, uh, the Communist State of Illinois here, um, the excise, I don't remember the, the specific figures, but the excise tax for buying a vehicle is, uh, is quite a bit cheaper in South Dakota. Um, there's no state income tax in South Dakota. Um, it's, it's, cheap, it's just cheaper to do everything there, so... Uh, yeah, there's there's financial benefits to it, uh, depending upon where you live, obviously. Yeah. Do you have to actually slap on some South Dakota license plates on your car? 
Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They they sent you license plates. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, yeah, I have to look into that. Um, here in Washington, the uh, vehicle tabs are creeping back up there. There was a few years ago where I forgot the guy's name, but he actually managed to get. Oh, it was Tim Iman? That's right. A ballot um, or initiative on the ballot about dropping the license or the uh, hard tab fees at a flat rate of 30 bucks and it actually passed mm. and uh washington residents you know a lot of well, it was really mixed i was surprised by how many people were um actually just they were just being huge statists and all they wanted to do was pay more for some reason and they hated the guy um, <laughs> and i never figured out why they would hate a guy that saved them money you know uh, it was it was crazy, but the rest of us um, logical, rational people were you know were lauding him as a you know a saint or something. But I'm not sure why it's kind of uh, crept up over the last um, must have been 20 years ago or or around there. Um, yeah, it's been very nice to right. at that point to have those thirty dollar tabs. And I got to look up and see what South South Dakota's up to these days. And I might just have to go ahead and make that change myself. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, rec- I don't recall off the top of my head. But um, for those folks, I, I would just emphasize to them that the government does accept voluntary. You know, they do accept donations. Um, for those folks, it, believe it or not, um, one one of the it's not one of the main funders of like the police force, but there's a there's a quite substantial portion of police funding that's voluntary donations. So if if they if they want to pay more, they can. Uh, <laughs> the government's not going to stop them. Right. Yeah, that's actually a good uh, public service announcement for any statists out there. If you, if you feel bad about, um, you know, not paying your fair share, there's probably a tip jar available online that you can uh, just kind of look it up and and send your, your hard-earned money in there voluntarily. Um, so, hey, man. Um, there you go. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to, uh, to go over or uh, talk about since... Um, kind of let you have the floor for a minute or so sure sure so um i yeah, i guess i'd like to talk uh, just for a moment about liberty attack publications now i mentioned that uh, we've got books for sale um and obviously they're they're all geared towards solutions um so if you're an individual looking to increase your personal freedom in a wide variety of ways um there's uh, there's a book there for you um but also too uh, um one of the uh something that I'm really really excited about is uh I guess something it's a, a feature on the website called uh, publish with us and uh so we're seeking out individuals who are looking uh, looking for publishers so um if you want your if you just want your book published and promoted by us um more than more than happy to do it um definitely more than happy to do it um but we can also help new authors navigate uh, uh the, comp- the the seemingly complicated uh, publishing process so if you have, if you uh, finish your first manuscript and you want uh, some people to take a look at it be more than happy to and help you get it uh, closer to uh to publishing ready uh, so yeah proofreading and editing um we offer uh, paperback and kindle formatting and uh also uh yeah pu- paperback and kindle formatting so that whenever you uh submit it to amazon uh, and people order copies. It looks great, exactly as you uh, as you wanted it to. And uh, lastly, uh, and this is something I've been slacking on, um, but it's the thing that takes the most time. Um, but if you're if you're going to be publishing a book, you've got to have an audiobook. Um, a lot of people nowadays don't actually pick up physical copies of books. They're too busy. May, they might listen in their car, um, yeah, on, on their commute, maybe maybe when they're maybe some fandom ads who are traveling. 
Um, they uh, might want to listen to an audiobook instead of actually read a physical book. Uh, you got to have an audiobook for it. So we do a uh, full audiobook uh, production, uh, and uh, I've got uh, a few uh, a few voice actors that can actually do the audiobook for you. Um, actually, one female voice actor too, if uh, that's your that's your preference. So um, basically, what we're trying to do, I mean, the the the, uh, the slogan, I guess you could say, for Libertarian Tech Publications is uh, share your story and find your freedom. So if you've got uh, if you've been uh, you know I guess. Uh, People have got some interesting stories, uh, some interesting ways to find freedom, and uh, we we want to we want to help you get uh, get your message out there, and uh, we want to make it as easy as possible. Um, and better yet, we don't believe in intellectual property, so if you when you sign with another publishing company, we're probably going to want you to sign away like twenty percent commission or something like that, um, and you know some, maybe sign over the rights to your book or whatever, um, whatever it may be. We don't believe in actual property. We just want to help you get your message out there, and uh, more than happy to help you in whatever way we can. So, uh, if you're interested in that, uh, interested in that, um, go to libertyandertack.com forward slash publish, or if uh, you know you're just looking for um, looking to support a digital digital agorist or a digital ethical enclave trader, um, libertyandertack.com um, is there too with uh, with some very very valuable books. Um, so, with that said, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's uh, that's that's my little spiel. Your little spiel, okay. Yeah, that's a great resource. I've, I've actually been considering trying to, uh, you know, I think, like most anarchists and voluntarists, there we have a lot of uh, a lot of ideas and thoughts and rolling around in our minds. And uh, some some folks will choose the podcast, and some some guys will do video, and um, and others will you know write for blog sites. But uh, I think there's something valuable about actually putting out a book. Um, Kind of, kind of just get all those thoughts out and kind of a, a stream of consciousness, you know. And and uh, like I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, it seems like we were talking about earlier with along the way, it's picking up a little bit of information or knowledge from um, you know a myriad of different people, whether they're on YouTube or whether they're uh, uh, a book you pick up or um, you know blog article you read each little mm-hmm. each little piece kind of helps build that uh as i call it a mosaic and right. um, and i think the more voices and the more perspectives out there uh, and also not not every speaker or or you know, media type is is apt for everybody and everybody kind of needs right. they they'll you know say some folks will uh, they'll watch Larkin Rose videos, and they get a lot of their influence from him. And, and some folks think he's just way too abrasive. So um, I, I think it, take, it takes a village, man. It takes a village. <laughs> yeah, and and you know I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm certainly right there with you um, because uh, this this path to uh, to personal freedom, this path to um, I guess just um, this this path towards learning is different for everybody. Um, so. I, I always encourage uh, uh, something I encourage for the Vani podcast. There's something called self liberational media, and uh, basically it's just uh, all of the Van Nomad videos on YouTube to be considered this. The minimal sibling videos to be considered this. Uh, the Vani podcast to be considered this. And uh, I mean, we're doing a, a nice piece of self liberational media right now. Um, I encourage everyone. Um, you know, if if you're pursuing some lifestyle, even if it turns out to be a drastic failure, document it. Um, in some way, whether it's a blog post, if you write a book about it, and you get to the end of the book and you find out, eh, this was a fail. 
um, well, you might help uh, save someone from that from that same mistake. Um, if you uh, you know, or or you may you may come out with like the most amazing journey, um, the the most uh, they make the most amazing journey, and uh, that's that's certainly worth sharing too. Um, so yeah, I think everyone should uh, in whatever medium they prefer and whatever medium they're comfortable with, um, and whether uh, pseudonymously, anonymously, or uh, you know, with a you know via a given name. Uh, I think uh, it's it's crucially crucially important because we, we can talk all day and every day about how great anarchism is, how great the philosophy is, um, how great the ethics are, and all of that. But people really, at least this has been my experience, um, it's kind of the lead by example thing, right? Although we don't like the whole leaders thing, um, but it's it's kind of the the, the action over uh, the action over talk um, that seems to be more convincing. Um, um, that's that's that I that I really push out there and I encourage um, is show people show people what you're doing for to, to find freedom. Uh, I think it's really really crucially important, especially if uh, uh, um, I hope someday to see a free society in my lifetime. I really hope so, um, but it's it's going to take some some hard work, you know, some hardworking, dedicated freedom pioneers um, if that's going to happen. So at least that's my my own personal take on it. Yeah, I I really hope. Uh... At least I hope you see it in your lifetime. I'm probably a little bit too late for me. <laughs> but uh, I had a thought. Um, it's kind of simple to do. Um, you know, there's so many aspects like you were going over earlier about um, uh, seasteading and, uh, and you know, mobile living and, and different avenues like that. If one were to kind of create a, either a website or a YouTube uh, channel where they kind of collate these videos, you know, really well-made and uh, informational videos that were taken from, you know, say I've, I've seen several people with kind of van life type um, uh, videos, and they're not directed towards VANU or, or voluntarism or anarchism, but they mm-hmm. have a great, you know, it's like a, it's like a place a person can go to get exposed to all these different things. Um, a lot of instruction and a lot of uh, inspiration as well without having to kind of search the entire uh, um, I guess YouTube universe and you know, kind of collate the, the top ones or the best ones. I'm kind of just talking out my, my ass here now, but to me it sounded like a good idea when I was thinking about it. <laughs> no, I, I, I like it, man. I, I definitely do. And, uh, and, and on, that note, say, on that note, too, um, yeah, like a, a lot of these folks, uh, whether they're the, the van nomads or the minimal sailboaters or um, these people who just travel all the time, um, I mean, uh, they may have different motivations for pursuing such uh, pursuing such lifestyles, but they are very close to, to, to Vanuism. Um, they are very, very close to anarchism. Um, I, I really like they, they've already broken free from, um, um, as Ray would put it, the servile society, and they're now... Um, they've they've got these lifestyles where they have time, a lot of time to read, a lot of time to think. They've they've got a lot more time than they ever had in their life. Uh, so uh, that's that's one thing I was really looking forward to as a Van Nomad is going to like uh, the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous, which would be another second realm, by the way. It's in uh, um, Corsite, Arizona. There's I think there's like four thousand Van Nomads there every year. Um, it's a huge Van Nomad meetup. Um, I mean, it would it, I I really think you know you have I, I'm pretty sure I could I could run through there. And uh, you know, just have 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 you know, couple have some hour conversations with people, and they'd be on board. Um, just they just hadn't heard of Vani before. They might have not have heard of anarchism, but they're already they're already living it, right? So, um, 
yeah, right there with you. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see, um, you know, how, how uh, things progress here. Uh, it, it, at least to me, I was having a thought the other day about how kind of how dire everything was kind of looking and um, the, I guess the voluntarist uh, message just kind of seemed to be, uh, as I called it, a circle jerk and um, didn't really seem like much was really happening. But I got to tell myself that, you know, there are more and more um, blogs being written. There's more and more podcasts being put out. And I mean, in fact, you know, I decided only, what, a month ago to start doing this. So um, mm-hmm. it, I guess it's kind of a testament that you know, everyone's work is not going, you know, it's not a, not a waste of time. It's actually very valuable. So. Oh yeah, it 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 definitely is. It definitely is. And um, starting a pod, like wh- whatever form of media it is, um, once uh, is a lot of. I mean, a lot of people's interactions with with anarchism or Vani or whatever. Well, not even really Vani, but we'll just say anarchism. Um, you know, just go like memes and statuses on Facebook. Um, but I, I really think the the journey the journey truly begins. Um, at least, at least in my my experience is when you when you start a podcast, a radio show, a um, a blog, uh, something like that, and you really start to try to, um, not just I mean, because you might not have had a reason to do it before, but when you do a podcast, you're trying to get it across your ideas, and in the process of doing that, you kind of weed out the bad ones, you you find the really good ones, and you you, you learn it's 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 a, I think it's a crucial step, um, in just personal development. So, um, like I said, don't you know. Guys, for listeners, don't wait. If you're thinking about doing something like that, do, doing a podcast, blog, anything like that, um, just do it. It's super cheap to do nowadays. It it definitely is. It doesn't cost very much at all. Um, barrier to entry is incredibly low. Um, yeah. Well, hey man, I really appreciate you uh, being on. You've, uh, I mean, you've got a lot of information and you cover a lot of information. I I really appreciate it. So. Uh, want to go ahead and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you or see you or find your uh, resources. It'd be great. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, first off, thank you so much for uh, for, for inviting me on. Uh, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I can be found. Uh, I'm still on Fascist Book and, uh, and Twitter. Um, LUA Truth on, uh, on Fascist Book, or you can just search for Libertarian Attack Publications. Uh, and on Twitter, yeah, at LUA Radio. Um, pretty active on those platforms, um, but uh, you can find uh, um, you can find ways to purchase uh, purchase books, or if you're interested in publishing with us, uh, go to libertarianattack.com. Um, you can find uh, you can purchase directly from me, and of course I accept Bitcoin. I prefer Bitcoin, um, but a lot of folks want to purchase on Amazon, and that's fine with me. Uh, completely fine with me. Uh, so there are links to purchase uh, purchase on Amazon as well. Highly recommend you if you enjoyed the conversation that that that, that uh, we had today. Uh, you know, please do check out the Volney podcast. The podcast feed is uh, um, it's going to be updated more regularly now that I'm stationary. Uh, so uh, the pod- yeah, podcast will be, be updated, but uh, there's a, an exorbitant amount of resources um, there at uh, VonnyPodcast.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, we talked about Darklands. Darklands.net's the website. It's not completely finished yet, but uh, I would recommend if you're interested in that project at all. We are looking for uh, developers, programmers, marketers, uh, community organizers, I guess, just anyone who's interested in helping this project come into fruition. Um, but, uh, you can find the white, p- white paper at tinyurl.com forward slash darklance white paper. 
So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. And again, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. I, I really enjoy the conversation. It's nice to put a uh, put a voice to the uh, um, to the uh, I guess a voice to the Facebook messages. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I'll include all of your information um, in the podcast, and I'll also throw it up on um, my uh, as you say, fascist book and the uh, <laughs> website. So, hey. Jane, once again, I really appreciate you being on. It was a great conversation. And if you ever have anything you want to talk about, you know, hey, you know, reach out to me and uh, we'll do it again. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, I will uh, I'll certainly get you on on uh, on Vanu as well uh, here in the near future. So right on, man. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. For sure. Please send your comments or questions to the voluntary contrarian at hotmail.com. Will you do me a favor? Will you rate and review this podcast from wherever you're listening from? That would really help. And one more thing. Please share this podcast with your friends.